Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. I hope you're going to be encouraged by this as we almost finish the book of Revelation. And from the very beginning, we've been saying that the book of Revelation is to change us, not inform us. And my hope today, especially if you're a believer in Christ, I mean, I've had to do two funerals this week, and uh, both of believers, and both too young and should not have gone that way, at least in my opinion, but their hope was placed in Christ. And the hope that they are with him is secure. And I'm hoping that you know that if you're a believer in Christ of that, but also what's coming that we haven't seen yet that hopefully will just, I cannot wait. Much like the apostle Paul who got a glimpse of it. That's why he kept saying, I don't want to be here. I want to go there. I want to go back. I'm only here for you guys. I want to go back. And most of us are so stuck here. I don't know if I want to go to heaven. Um, and so I hope this changes you. We've been talking about just the challenge of your picture of Jesus through this. We've been talking about being radiant and ready. And depending on your answer, if you're going to be raptured or removed, it will depend on how you prepare during this time. Said so that no matter how the world looks today or how crazy it is tomorrow, God still wins. And it, it's not going to get any easier, but that's the thing. Okay, God still wins in the end. And the divine paradox here is God is busily at work trying to save people from his own wrath. And the truth is, that window closes in chapter 20. We talked about that, but it's still open today. That God is still trying to save those from his own wrath. And last week, we talked that sin and all that is evil is conquered for all time because we talked about not only the devil, not only the beast, the false prophet, hell, Hades, and death were thrown in the fire, but all that does evil. Now, there was a Sunday school teacher teaching sixth grade. Some of you might, six-year-old, not sixth grade, six-year-old. And uh, she decided to do a little thing on heaven. And so she said, guys, what does it take to get to heaven? And so she says, so if I sell everything I have, sell my house, my car, and give it to charity and give it to, to the church, will I get to heaven in the class? No. If I go to the church and do toilets and mow lawns and pull weeds and do serve the church. Will that get me to heaven? No. So those in janitorial, this is not a, like, like, like a quick way in. And they said, what if I love my family, love my kids, and, and just love Jesus with all my heart? Is that going to get me in? No. And then all of a sudden, then what gets me into heaven? And a kid in the back says, you got to be dead. Which is true. Well, today we're talking about a new heaven and a new earth. And the thing to use a film metaphor, this is not a sequel of what has already happened. It's not part two. This is something brand new. This is not a new heaven, new earth with new sound effects and brighter colors and digitally enhanced images. No, this is something that has never, ever taken place before. That's why the main point of this is out with the old, in with the new. That God is going to literally destroy everything we see right now and 
create something brand new. And the thing is, the Bible we talks about that we should be preoccupied with heaven in our minds. Colossians, Paul says this, Colossians 3, 1 through 2, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And that's pro we get so tied up here, we forgot what's waiting there. Which means if we know we're going there, then we'll probably act differently down here. Heaven is spoken about more than 500 times in the Bible, 50 times in the book of Revelation alone. It's an actual place. It's not just a spiritual consciousness that I go into. It's a literal place. And in your notes, it's a two-pager today because there's a lot of further study, the stuff I just wouldn't have time to go into. Because Paul talks about heavens. Matter of fact, he talks about three heavens. He talks about the heaven, basically earth and our atmosphere. Then he talks about the stars. Then he talks about a third heaven in Corinthians of where he was taken to. And that's where God stays. And even our concept of heaven, when, when we say, like my friend Paul, like Liz Anderson, we buried, buried her yesterday. We say, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that is true. They are with Jesus and technically they're in heaven because heaven is where God is. But the heaven, heaven that's talked about in Revelation 21, it's not here yet. They're not there yet. They're not walking the streets of gold in the, in the celestial city yet because it hasn't come down yet. They're in, and we've described it this way before we've talked to heaven. Heaven is like this, that if I book a flight to Florida from Sac Airport, then when I fly, I have a layover in Dallas. That's where they are right now. Okay, they're with Jesus. They're in paradise. They're enjoying. I mean, there's nothing wrong with where they're at. Trust me. But it's not the celestial city. It's not the streets of gold. That hasn't, that hasn't come down yet. And so... The truth about heaven is that, yeah, when someone passes, much like I said at Paul's, much like I said at Liz, uh, Vanessa, who we've been praying for, she passed away. There's her funerals this week. Um, I'll say the same thing, that the first thing she saw was Jesus because that's what shepherds do. They bring their sheep home. So if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, we'll start in verse 1 then there. He says here, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Remember at the end of chapter 20, it was a lake of fire. So at the worst scene, not, not only all the, you know, the devil and all his cohorts go, but those who chose to not follow Christ. Now he says, but now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first, first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. New heaven, new earth, it's taken right out of Isaiah 65, Isaiah 66, where it talks about this presence of the new heavens and the new earth. And, and when it says here that no longer any sea, now some of you beach people, you go, wait, hey, hey, wait a minute. And no beach? I don't know if I want to go. Um, and, and it says no beach because it's brand new. And being that we're going to be in resurrected bodies, this body has 90% maybe 95 right now, percent water. And so we're going to be different. So there's not going to be the need for hydration and things. So there is no sea. I'm banking on, I told my wife, I think there's going to be a beach planet you can go to because they're going to create a whole new universe and you just go to beach planet for a while. 
and, and you're good, all right? You can, you know, warm water and ride sharks, okay, on the beach planet. But verse 2 says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I'll refer to this bride before, but there's nothing greater. I watched a video of two of our young people, Micah Schott getting married, and the groom, as he watched the bride, lost it. He just could not contain himself. I love that. I mean, when the anticipation is all there, I mean, it, it was just a beautiful thing. Dress for her husband. And it says now, Revelation 20, 21 3 through 4 says, And then I heard a loud voice. He's heard 20 loud voices in the book of Revelation. He said, The throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with him, them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And we quote this many times He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, or mourning, or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It's hard for us to imagine that in today's world. When there is loss, when there is pain, I mean, I'm looking forward to no pain, uh, no sorrow, no tears. It's hard for us to imagine. That's why I wanted, we got to get Jake from the drums more. Don't you, don't you agree? Okay. When you see him... We're going to put a mic on you so you can drum and sing. I've seen drummers do it, okay? Um, but that's why I wanted the song, I can only imagine. Because we have to, I mean, we, it's hard for us. Because that's all that we've known all our lives. And the older we get, the more of that we get. Well, the day is coming when that's not going to happen. That's why people ask, well, Tim, will I know if my family or friends are not with me in heaven? I I don't have a chapter and verse, but I would say probably no, because then if I knew that, there'd be a lot of tears, and there's no tears or sorrow. Um, someone also asked, what age will people be when we get there? I mean, what about a child, or, you know, am I going to show up 65? Am I going to show up? How old am I going to be? And, and there's no chapter or verse for that, but people, you know, you look through the scriptures and you go, you know, Age 30 seems like the round age. So if you're over 30, yay. If you're under 30, what? Um, because in the Old Testament, to become a priest, you couldn't start until you were 30. And then you had to retire at 50. We missed that window a little bit, didn't we? 50. Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. And there are those commentators that believe, you know, when say, well, you know, am I going to see Bill, my, my brother Billy at two years old, or how old am I going to see him? And it was, it was cool. One guy says, I think in the mercy of God that parents will be able to see their kids grow up to 30. And they'll just stop. Um, again, I don't know. And really, it's not that big a deal. I'm in heaven. They're there. Yay. Okay. Again, a lot of things we say, when I get to heaven, I got some questions. No, you won't. I, I promise you won't go, what about the platypus? What was that? I mean, you wouldn't do that. Not going to happen. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, this is God saying this to John. Write it down. Because those people tend to forget so easy. 
Write it down so you can read it over and over and over and over and over again to be encouraged when there's sorrow, when there's tears. Write it down. Okay, tell me how it's going to be again. Yeah, this is what it's going to be like again. Verse 6 says, and he said to me, it is done. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We'll hit that more next, next time in Revelation 22. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. It is done, which means absolute finality. It means a permanent condition. Now, Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, total different word. Because it is finished meant something that it's something that was stated in the past has now come about. Something that was stated in the past that God will send a salvation, a sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. And so all that that was said, he says, it is finished. So now it has come about. But when it says it is done, this is how it will be forever. And the promise is extended to verse 7, to he who overcomes. Remember, John's writing to a church that was under severe persecution. He who overcomes, he who holds on to the end. This word overcome is throughout the revelation. Overcome, hold on, don't give up. Because the very next verse says, verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, which I thought that was the cowardly. Why, why would he start off but the cowardly? It wasn't the adulterer. You know, the pornographer, you know, the gambler, the drunker. He doesn't start with that. He starts with, but the cowardly. Guys, we are going to be pushed, you know, the overcomers. I mean, if they can take out Dr. Seuss, they're coming for you, all right? This, this cancel culture, we just go, come on, what is going on here? Okay, guys, it's going to be pressure and it's going to continue to be pressure. That's why parents to teach your children, teach your grandchildren to overcome. Hold on. Don't be a coward. Don't let, don't let go of this. Don't back down. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, the immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters and the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That's the second death. Remember that. But that's not for you. Verse 9 says, Then one of the angels, seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Again, this word lamb, over and over, seven times in just two chapters here. We don't want to lose that image that I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens with God. It shone with the glory of God, and the brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jas jasper, clear as crystal. Again, here's this bride. I mean, the beautiful anticipation, glorious. That's an image that there's never been an ugly bride, all right? I mean, when they're standing, they're ready to come down. It's just like, oh, and that's what the city will be. 
It's going to be so glorious. He even tries to describe it. He uses glory and brilliance. And those are the terms that were yet to describe the Shekinah glory. The glory and brilliance that went before the Israelites out of Egypt. The glory and brilliance that stood before the tabernacle. The glory and brilliance that sat over the Ark of the Covenant. That is what you will see. That will there'll be no doubt. And he says, let me try to, it's like a jasper. And, and even then the, the, the commentator said, he didn't say a, a jasper. He says like a jasper, which is more like a, a cut diamond that shows every blight. Kind of like, have you ever seen those YouTube videos of the person who's colorblind and all of a sudden they get those glasses and they can see color for the first time? Again, you can't, how can you not get emotional around that? You're just going, wow, that's what is going to, I mean, brilliance and glory and color. Guys, we're going to see this and we're going to, oh, no questions. No questions. We're just, just, oh, in awe. Verse 12 says, and it had a great high wall. Even God is not opposed to walls. Just to let you know that, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm just reading the scripture for what it is. <laughs> That's Kevin at horizonweb.org. <laughs> oh. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were the three gates on the east and three on the north, three on the south and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were all the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So you guys, this is what you have Jewish history, how it's important. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, how critical it is. But then you have the church and the 12 apostles all represented in this great city with 12 gates. The angel in verse 15 says, who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. He measured its walls, and it was 144 cubits thick. That's 72 yards, by the way. By man's measurement, with great angel was using them, the wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold is pure as glass. Now, we get the size dimensions here. Jerusalem today is about a square mile, okay? I mean, they have actually excavated the stone, the original walls. They're five foot by four foot by 35 foot long stones. They weigh 80 to 100 tons. They're like 19 levels of foundation stones. This place, 12,000 stadia equals 1,500 miles. So this is 1,500 miles cubed, all right? To give you, this is, it, it's not going to be in the United States, all right? Yeah, God bless America. It's not going to be in the United States. <laughs> but this box represents the size of it from Canada all through, halfway through Mexico. That's 1,500 miles. From New York to Houston, that's how big this city is. And I mean, to John, when he was talking, I mean, 1,500 miles is a lot for us. Well, we jumped in the car a couple days, we're there. To John, 1,500 miles was like the earth. Remember, they just thought it was flat. That 1,500 miles would go off the edge. So in their mind, this is just ginormous. But it, that's huge for one city. Now, understand, the earth's not going to look like there's a new earth and a new heaven. People, it's the size of the moon. Let's put it in that way. When you look at the moon, that's the size of the city. Okay. Now, 
I did some math. Because I, I, I thought about this, because I'm an architect drawn here. Okay. One, is there going to be enough room for everybody in the city? There's a guy named Dr. Moore who computed that in the entirety of mankind, there's probably been 100 billion people. And if you said 20%, which I hope it would be more, but if I look at the scriptures, it says, few will find the gate to righteousness, few will take the path. He says, if 20%, that's 20 billion people, which means there's 8 billion on the earth today. I think there'll be room. But let me run some numbers for you, for some of your math geeks out there. I'm not a math geek. Had to pull out my calculator. Then it ran out of places to go, and so I had to hit it. So one mile equals 5,280 feet. So if you times that times 1,500 miles, you've got 7,920,000 feet per side, okay? Which means that's 3,375,000,000 cubic miles for the whole city. Now, if you just said each floor was 10 foot high, you can do 20 and then you cut it in half, but 10 foot high, then there are 792,000 floors. Okay, just begin to imagine that elevator ride. Uh, yes, uh, I would like level seven five hundred eighty thousand. Okay, if each mansion, because you got a mansion up there, on each floor was two hundred fifty thousand square feet. Now, you think that's big enough for you? Two hundred fifty thousand square feet. That would make it the largest mansion in the world today. The first one's in a small little country that's 2.15 million square feet. Okay. So you're only going to have the third largest mansion that's ever been built, all right? 250,000 square feet, all right? The third largest mansion in the world. That equals 62,726,400,000,000 square foot per floor, which equals 250 million, 905, 600 mansions per floor with that many floors and that many mansions per floor. That means 198 trillion, 717 billion, 235 million and 300,000 mansions in my father's house. You think there's going to be room? I think so. All right? Because just, that's how big this thing is. And it should make us go, the old is gone. The new has come. I wonder what that would run on the real estate market. Any, any idea there, Val? I'm just a, you can calculate the square footage per foot today and just give us a rough estimate later, okay? Verse 19 says, the foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Now, I'm not going to say all those stones because I can't say half of them correctly. Anyways, there's 12 layers. Every color imaginable is there. Verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. Okay, how big is that oyster? Oyster. How much garlic and butter would that take to eat, okay? <laughs> I don't like oysters. I think they're snot on a shell, but <laughs> maybe if they barbecue it or something else, I don't know. That's Kevin at horizonweb.org. But each gate is one pearl. All precious gems of metal are made naturally. 
A pearl is the only thing made by flesh. And a pearl is made, some of you know, when an irritation gets inside the oyster. And it begins to cover it. This wound, this hurt that's irritating it, gets covered to form a pearl. The irritation forms something beautiful eventually. So here are the gates that we walk through, and they should be a reminder what Christ went through. The pain, the suffering, to earn us this beautiful salvation. What you go through, the suffering and pain, all has something beautiful on the other side of it. The streets of gold, <laughs> materials we adore are just common building blocks of heaven. And verse 22 says, I, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. He didn't need to go anywhere. It was all there. Just walking around. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine. It's not that there won't be a sun or the moon. It's just that it doesn't need it. For the glory of God gives its light in the Lamb is the lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Now, so, kings, nations, I, I thought we, I mean, I know we did the king thing during the millennium, but are we still doing the king thing? What does this king thing mean? I remember Billy Graham being on a talk show and he was asked if he believed that there was life on other planets. I remember, well, what's Billy going to say about this? And he, and he literally said, yeah, with as many planets out there and many possibilities, billions of planets, yeah, I believe there's life out there. But you see, it says God so loved this world. All those other planets didn't screw up like we did. All those other planets didn't eat the apple like we did. God so loved this world that he gave his only son. And some will attribute John 10, 16 that says, Jesus saying, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And some say, man, okay, that's the Gentiles and the Jews. Or is it just, this universe is way too big not to have life. They just didn't screw up like we did. We're the ones who needed a Savior. Last two verses say this, on, last three verses, on no day will its gates ever be shut. That means when you're spending too much time on Planet Beach, they're still open. They're not closed. No key needed. There'll be no night there. No sleep, I guess. Don't need it. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Why? Because sin nature is gone. And we can't imagine that. I mean, because we live with ourselves, let alone see what the world is doing. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful because sin has been destroyed. But 
Who's this for? Only the ones whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've been saying from the beginning, and will you be radiant and ready, believers of Christ? Because this is coming. The rewards are in hand. We'll see that next this next time we watch it on video. Chapter 22. So my question to ask and encourage you. Guys, read again Revelation 21 and realize this is coming for those who overcome, who hold on. And I tell you, believer in Christ, hold on. Difficulty time, difficult times will come. And if we believe revelations, they're going to be greater and greater and greater as they come. Hold on. And if you're here today and you do not know if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then why wait? Why wait? Let me pray for us as believers and let me give you an opportunity if you're here or you're watching um, to have your name written down because today you accepted Jesus. Father in heaven, I pray for those of us who his name's written down in the book. Whether a long time ago or just not too long ago, Father, I pray that we would overcome, that you encourage us with these words. They're meant to show what's coming, to encourage our hearts that there is a day where no sorrow, no pain, and only to be in the presence of you. Now, if you're here today or you're watching and you don't know who Jesus Christ is, but you feel something in your heart. I want my name written down in that book. And there's going to be a prayer on the screen. I keep saying it. it's not the prayer that leads you. These, I change the words most every time. It's the attitude of your heart. Let's say this together as a church. God in heaven, you sent your son Jesus to save us from our sins. My sin has separated me from I believe that Jesus Christ died to take away my sin. Today, I ask you to forgive my sin and to come into my life. Please begin to direct my life. Write my name in your book of life so that I will be forever be with you in heaven. I receive you into my heart this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, if there are those who pray this for the first time, may you fill them with your spirit. May you encourage them in their heart. May they get connected somewhere so we can help them grow. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This name on the screen, this is Larry Sterling. Uh, you can call or text it, 916-505-4958. He will gladly talk to you, respond to you, and get the tools that you need. All right, guys. God bless you. Hey, look for a text or an email from us saying, hey, Revelation 22 is posted, and we'll... We'll finish this up online, okay? Guys, God bless you. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you next week.